Hi, Rodney Jane here from Bob Jane T-Marts. Specialists in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need. Tyres, wheels or batteries, we've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, R08, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic. A massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, BF Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4 ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Marts. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you. Test season apply. Hi there, this is the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley and I've got a number of special guests on this episode right on the line right now. I've got Mark Fogarty from Parked Up Plus. I've got Richard Crail from another podcast that we won't mention just in case people hear that name and then they go and seek out more Richard Crail. We hear enough Richard Crail over a race weekend. I've also got a chat with Will Brown and the first of a pretty cool series of chats that I've done with Rodney Jane and our great from our great friends at Bob Jane Team Arts. But first, Richard and folks, how are you? Hello, Grant. Hello, folks. Nice to be with you. G'day, guys. Didn't expect to be here, but it's good to be here. You've got your own podcast now, folks. You don't need, like, once a week is just enough. Of course, Parked Up Plus every 5 p.m. on a Monday. It's almost 5 p.m. every Monday. Sometimes there's a little bit of delay. I'd blame folks, but... I actually can't if I really dig yeah, you'd right be wrong. deep into the my my most honest honest little box inside me that uh, it's uh, generally been my fault if it hasn't been five pm. But um, that's the uh, that's the, been been more often than not it's uh, it's five pm on Monday and uh, yeah um, it's a uh, it's a bit of a new world for you folks uh, you know um, you've you've done radio before you've done TV. We know you and most famous for the written word piling through the various magazines that you've written for, in particular Auto Action, um, for the for the best part of the last 25, 40, 180 years or whatever it's been. Um, a, long, a long, long time, yes. What, what are you thinking about? What, what do you think about this uh, new world of podcasting? It's interesting and it's enjoyable. It's a reinvention of a sort it's using old techniques it's kind of doing what i did back in radio last time i did that regularly was 30 years ago newscasting or sports casting but on a new platform in the digital realm but as i said yeah i'm enjoying it i like uh, digging around and grubbing out news every week and presenting it and you know adding to it the voices of the people who are in the news or making news and that's an important part of it and that's that's probably the most challenging part is um getting interviews you know short interviews not long form interviews with the people who matter each week about uh directly about what's going on so yeah all good so far i think uh well i don't think i know we've broken a lot of news in a relatively short period of time and um audience is building rapidly so uh, yeah, big tick from my point of view anyway. 
Very good. Uh, now, Richard, I know you consume a lot of motorsport media, both here in Australia and all around the world. I know you would have listened to Fogues and his Parked Up Plus. What's your take? Uh, I have, absolutely. And we don't do news on our podcast, which, by the way, is called On The Grid. You can find it via all your good podcast providers. <laughs> we don't do news, so I like to stay in touch. And the thing I enjoy about a podcast is that you can listen to it wherever you are or whatever you're doing whilst doing other things, whereas... Uh, plowing through a magazine or these days a website you're focused on that one thing so to get a little rundown on all the news that's going on it's nice to have that on on a monday afternoon while you're making dinner or you're somewhere in the car or whatever might be going on so i like it i like the format it's a it's a niche in the market that was there to be filled and uh, you guys have done a very nice job of that Cool. Well, folks, it has been uh, it's been fun to uh, to to do it. It's been a uh, yeah really rewarding breaking uh, breaking a couple of news stories there. I, I guess uh, you've uh, you got your finger on the on the pulse of the sport, and there was a there was a couple of uh, big big stories over the weekend and a heap of racing as well. Um, Folks, let me just start with yourself. We we saw the return to Sandown. We were there in 2021, so it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, a long time ago that compared to other events uh, where we've had a big gap. But the I guess everyone was talking about the return of the Sandown 500. How long is this circuit still going to be available for us? A lot of really great, cool sentiment towards one of the most historic venues that we have here in Australia. Well, that was the backdrop to the Sandown Super Sprint was the uncertainty of the future of Sandown. How many more years is it going to be around? Um, well, not only is a horse racing and motor racing complex, but a complex as it has been since 1962 in any form. Um, that's still yet to be determined, the long-term plan. As far as the owners, the Melbourne Racing Club are concerned is to, you know, redevelop it, residential redevelopment, but there's still a fair way to go there. The immediate future of Sandown, you know, which we've been building up to on the show and elsewhere, is that it's confirmed that there's at least one more supercars event there next year. It'll be on the 2023 calendar. And as you mentioned over the weekend, there was a, a big push, a revival of interest in getting Sandown back as an endurance race, as the Sandown 500, the traditional lead-up and warm-up for the Bathurst 1000. And there's certainly great support for that among the drivers, probably not so much among the teams. They're the ones that are resisting uh, the reinstatement of two-driver events and, uh, a, you know, and a mini-series within the championship, the Enduro Cup. Um, but Shane Howard told Parked Up Plus that he definitely wants to get the 500 back, so it could be back as soon as next year, and then hopefully within the next several months we'll find out um, what the new deal between supercars and the Melbourne Racing Club is and at how many more years at least we can expect to be racing at Sandown. I would think it's a good few more years, maybe as many as five. That's the uh, best-case scenario at the moment. Yeah, cool. I guess that's a nice little test for uh, Shane Howard to see how much power he does have uh, as the CEO. Uh, you know, he went on the record to say he wants it back. And I, I don't know, I haven't met too many CEOs. If they want something, you know, they'll 
they should just go and get it. Um, but yeah, uh, so many more factors involved than than just that. Well, Sh- Shane from- is certainly a motor racing enthusiast, and he's steeped in the sport, going right back. His family, his father, were deeply involved back in Tasmania, where he comes from. The only difference with Shane, he's a much less strident supercar supremo than those that have come before him, and um, he's more into consultation and conciliation and consensus. So he probably won't try and ram it down their throats, but he'll he'll try very hard to bring everyone together and, and to bring back, you know, the rightful lead up to the Bathurst 1000. The thing for mine about the weekend was that I think it enforced that it needs to be something special. So it's had the Sandown 500 and it's had Retro Round and they've often been at the same thing. And, and that's given that event a real unique selling point the weekend while enjoyable i thought felt like almost a bit of a letdown in that it was just another event another car race that didn't have anything substantial behind it to justify being what it was if you know what i mean and and on sunday you you were compounded by having eighty-eight and a half thousand people at the mcg for a, a carlton collingwood game so i think that would have hurt attendance and viewership as well what the Sandown 500 brings is is gives Sandown something truly unique, like so many of the other events on the calendar. So when we go to Sydney, it's about the night race. When we go to Perth, it's about the night race. Winton's the country regional round where everyone's camping and you get those real hardcore country fans. Darwin's the Triple Crown. Townsville's the two longer races. Adelaide's the same. Gold Coast is the Gold Coast. They all have a a standalone unique selling point whereas last weekend i said to somebody else it it sort of felt like that sunday afternoon afl fixture where neither team's in contention for the finals but you've got to play it anyway it it just sort of felt a bit flat so from my own point of view retro round and or sandown 500 but ideally the 500 it just gives that event something really significant to draw on that history and something the sport can really promote and if it's the race before Bathurst as well, and it's on prelim final weekend before the grand final, as it has been traditionally in the past, you don't have clashes on the Sunday because they, they won't play a prelim on a Sunday. It's always Saturday night. So I think that helps your options for both live TV, but also your your actual walk-up attendance as well to maximise those and to make it as big as it possibly can be. You're spot on with your observations there, Richard. Sandown's history is tradition and its location as one of the very few permanent racetracks within metropolitan area of a big city, all that demands that events at Sandown, certainly the supercar event, needs to be an occasion. And the 500 was an occasion. Um, The weekend, as you said, wasn't quite the big event that I reckon the place really demands. Although, and, you know, bringing back the 500 would and maybe still making it the retro round as, you know, well, <laughs> both are good ideas. There's no downside to them. Um, having, having said all that, I thought it was quite interesting that despite being a huge, huge weekend in footy, a very dramatic one in footy, the crowd at Sandown, you know, just, and again, despite the weather, was pretty decent. I didn't mm. hear any official figures, but you just looking around, you could see there were plenty of people there and I'd venture to say more than I can re- I can remember in recent years at Sandown. So 
you know, the place has obviously still got some big appeal. I didn't actually hear any official crowd number. However, I did have someone tell me that they were going to announce that it was a record crowd. Now, surely there would have been more people for the 500 over the years, but maybe record crowd for a super sprint event there. Now, I don't think they've got too many of them to uh, compete against. That's a low bar. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it wouldn't have been a record. I, the thing that struck me was I, I still think there needs to be an evaluation on how they ticket these events and what they want to charge for because the one thing that, struck me was that while the crowd on Sunday in particular was, I thought, really good, there were people crammed into the GA areas on pit straight, so in front of the grandstand where you could walk to and the areas alongside of that. But the grandstand was probably half full, if not a little bit more than half full, and that was because it was a reasonably substantial ticket upgrade to get in there. So... When you're looking at it from the side down at turn one, it looked pretty full. But when you look straight across from the camera over at the old Rothman's Rise, it, it did look fairly patchy. So I, I wonder there's an argument to perhaps look at what they're charging for the grandstand. And from an optics point of view, and, and certainly from a spectator comfort point of view, at a, a venue famous for precipitation and, and being wet, to fill that grandstand, which seats ten or 11,000 people, would be, as a promoter, I would have thought that would be a number one goal to make that look as full as it possibly can be and to look after your punters. So um, that that was the one thing that struck me about that weekend was that they probably trying to charge a little bit too much for the privilege of sitting in that very, very big grandstand. It shouldn't be something you pay extra for at Sandown. It should just be if there's space, in you go. Mm. And I, I don't know, you know for, a lot, for the longest time at least, you know, that was the case. Um, but you know, probably in more recent years, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but they've been charging a premium for it. But to me, it's just an essential part of the, um, sand down experience just as it, it, it well, I'm not sure if it is, or it was certainly, you know, parking up the top of the circuit, you know, um, right up in the corner, you know, sort of bit back in from Danny Nong road. Um, you know, that used to be a traditional vantage point, um, I should know, but I have to admit, I don't know if that's still being used because a lot of that space got eaten up a long time ago by a, uh, well, what is it, a pub up on the corner. They sold off some of that land. But uh, anyway, bottom line, I, I think that at Sandown, if anywhere, you know, entry to the grandstand, which is the centrepiece of the venue for spectators, um, should be free. Okay, cool. Well, you can take that up, folks, with the powers of B at uh, at Supercars. Oh, as, uh, oh, as if I haven't campaigned enough over the last oh. what five, ten years. You know, how many times have I been? You know, save Sandown has been my sort of mantra. And you know, every time you you think you've secured something, you know, you look away, and a moment later, you have to go back and try and save the place again. Oh, <laughs> you were really. the mayor of Sandown, folks. The mayor of Sandown. Um, okay, are you going to be standing like like tied to a tree? At the, I was tied to the pit building when they do decide that it's time to go and build a whole bunch of houses and shopping centres or whatever they're going to put there. Are you going to be the save Sandown? I won't be happy. <laughs> I'll tell you about that. But I'm not. Well, it's not a done deal. The the despite the plans and what the MRC wants to do, I think there's a long way to go yet before 
any approval for all or part of that whole precinct to be redeveloped. Um, I know, you know, the local council is, is essentially opposed, you know, they're not happy about, um, I don't know, I've heard figures, I might be wrong, but anyway, you know, another 5,000 or more residences and double or more than that number of people flooding into that area and the, the strain on infrastructure, which you know, just seems to be it doesn't exist. So unless someone pays an extreme fortune to add the infrastructure to go with this influx of people, be they in a residential zone or, an in, or a business zone, um, anyway... Bottom line is there's resistance in the council, so it's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination, even though it is a done deal in the minds of the MRC that they want to sell the place. Right, cool. Well, there was uh, a whole bunch of motor racing that happened there over the weekend. Of course, Shane Van Gisbergen took two wins. Will Davison took Sunday's win. There was a bunch of uh, support races going around, a huge Super 2 crash. One of the standouts of supercars over the weekend was Will Brown. He took a podium finish in Sunday's first race. Now, if you've listened to On The Grid, you already have already heard that uh, Richard Crowell has stolen my uh my will brown idea and already Stolen. interviewed him we really should just coordinate better mate this is P the bottom possibly, line possibly don't talk about this thing <laughs> but but if you have listened to it what's coming up right now is the better will brown interview uh i spoke to him just before here he is on parked up hey it's great to welcome uh podcasting star will brown on to the parked up podcast will how are you mate yeah, good. Thanks for having me. No worries. So uh, you've also done an interview with uh, Richard Crail's um, podcast as well uh, on the grid, the race talk. This, I hope, will be better. But they've <laughs> they've only just done you've you've only just done the chat with them, which got published on uh, on Wednesday. Did they did they chuck you any? Can you give me a little bit of advice? Can I take this to a different place that 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 they went? Yeah, I'm in high demand today by the sounds of it. Um, two podcasts, but uh, that was pretty pretty normal chat. You know how your weekend was, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, looking forward and uh, you know to to the next couple of rounds. So you know, see see where you can take it. <laughs> oh, that sounds all boring. No, no. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk personal life. Let, no, no, no. All good. Let's talk racing because it was a pretty good weekend for you at Sandown. A podium finish. Uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, probably exactly where you uh, you, you want to be, and you probably want to be there a little bit more often as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it was uh, it was really good to be back on the podium. Uh, I think they were saying before it's like 280 days since I've been on the podium, so I was hoping to be there a little bit sooner in the year. But um, yeah, it was great to get a podium and and be back consistent and uh, and strong for the weekend. I think. Uh, you know, we didn't get qualifying right for the last race and, and probably the pit stop due to a bit of damage. So um, I feel like we could have been, you know, potentially in top five for all the races. But uh, overall, uh, a really strong weekend. Yeah, not too bad. Jeez, 280 days. That's a, uh, it's a, it's a fair stint out. But uh, look, still uh 13th in the title which is probably around about where uh you 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 probably should be again not really where you want to be what was the was there something different at sandown in that first race on on sunday or something different overall at sandown that uh has sort of helped it make it all click uh 
Not really, to be honest. We just rolled out of the trailer a lot better um, than how we have previously, and we weren't chasing a tail all weekend. It was just really small changes um, to stay inside the window. But uh, we had a really positive test day at Tail and Ben um, before Tail and Ben, and then we had a good good outing there, and then um, a, you know, a strong sand down. So I think uh, I think that test day has really helped us and just given us a few more tools that when we roll out of the trailer, not quite in the window, we can we can tune it a bit better. Cool. Okay, so that the uh, the racing was held um, Friday through to Sunday, but the uh, one of the big main events was on Monday with the ride day. How many laps did you do? How many customers did you take for uh, skid around the circuit? You wouldn't believe it. I did zero. Oh, you gave it all to <laughs> your teammate Jack. Um, well, I was actually testing the Gen Three car on Monday, um, so you know, young Kai Allen jumped in with uh, my co-driver Jack Perkins and. And they did the all the laps with, uh, you know, taking people for rides, which was cool. But um, yeah, my my focus was uh, testing the Gen Three on Monday, and uh, you know, just putting my efforts in towards that. Awesome. Um, was that your first run in Gen Three? No, it was actually my second, but I, I haven't run it since about December last year. So it's just awesome to see the development. Um, yeah, I, I actually quite enjoyed driving it. Like I was out there just going, "Oh, this is awesome!" Like you know, I was, I was enjoying it. It's nice to drive now. I sort of, you know, probably ten months ago, I thought it was terrible to be honest, and uh, and and you know, I hopped out of the car thinking this is a bit of a shit box, and then uh, this year I've uh, you know jumped in at that sand down and uh, you know just smashing all the curbs, doing good lap times, and um, you know the the power and uh, is is pretty impressive in it as well, and just the the uh, you know how it accelerates is pretty cool. Yeah, cool. No, they certainly sound good, uh, and it'll they'll set that they sound good when there's just two of them out there. Uh, yeah. You know, when we get a full field, it's uh, it's going to be pretty cool. We we probably concentrate too much on lap times, um, and uh, you know, we, we for for whatever reason, some people want to make sure that the car is able to do similar lap times to what the current car is. Is it going to be faster? Is it the same? Is it a little bit slower? It's hard, it's hard to uh, to put your finger on it. I think uh, the lap times were pretty solid at Sandown, um, but there hasn't been that much testing done. They're just tuning them. They are getting them a little bit better with uh, with setup, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure when we rolled out the Gen 2 cards, it took a while for people to, to find the pace that they are now. So I feel like they could be once, once everyone gets on top of them and all that, they might be quicker at some tracks. Um, but then, you know, your, your high-speed aero tracks, they might be a little bit slower. So um, it'll be interesting. I don't think lap time matters. Like, it'll be good if they're close to what we're doing now, but um, as long as the racing's good and we can pass and, and, and it's interesting, um, I don't think it matters. You know, I've, I've watched Hyundai XL races that are awesome to watch. <laughs> cool. Uh, sex cells, we call them on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, so tell me then, do you feel that the racing can be better? Because like, I don't care if they go two, two seconds or two minutes a lap slower, if the racing is better or, or um, maybe not better because there was some good racing over the, over the weekend. We've seen some reasonable racing uh, this year with the current generation of cars, but I think everyone's clearly acknowledged that it is, uh, it can be difficult to past cars that are running on a at a very similar pace and tire life and and all of that will gen 3 do you feel gen 3 will improve the racing i, I think in a way but I, I also think you know pulling the air off will be interesting for your high speed tracks it definitely will make it easily easier to follow but um 
you know, you, you look at many categories these days, it's not that easy to pass. Everyone's so competitive and all of that sort of stuff. It, it's, it's how close everyone is as a driver and all that. You know, you, you look at, you know, you tell me any categories that are easy to pass in these days from Formula One to, uh, to you know, NASCAR might be a little bit different, but, um, you know, there's a lot of categories that have pushed to pass or, or, or something now um, to make it more interesting. But I think the Gen 3 car will make it a slight bit easier. I think uh, also the tracks we go to are a big thing to to making the, the show good for people, you know. I'm not being rude towards Tail and Ben, but uh, the racing is always going to be terrible there, no matter what sort of car you drive around there. Um, it just doesn't produce, a, a, the track doesn't produce good racing. But then places like Sandown, um, Gold Coast, and all those sorts of places, they produce good racing. Um, so, you know, it's also what tracks we go to and all that as well, I think. Cool. Okay. Uh, look, more rounds at uh, places like Gold Coast and uh, and Bathurst and those sorts of things, I definitely would say yes to. Uh, as much as we like the bend, it's a long way to go to find yourself in the middle of the desert. Anyway, uh, no offense to the Shins. Um, Look, on top of uh, supercars, you've also been racing in the TCR Australia series again this year. Um, a ton of, uh, you know, really cool results. Again, probably not exactly where you thought you might be in the in the series standings, but because it's so close, you uh, you you're still in with a shot. Yeah, I guess we're still in with a shot. It's just been disappointing with DNFs and, and damage. You know, I, Tasmania. I, I think we could have got a a uh, you know a, a first place there and got turned around off the start, which meant we were a lap down. Um, we got pulled out of the gravel, but you really get not many points for that. Um, and then a DNF at Sydney, and I think we had another DNF somewhere else. So, you know, those sort of things just hurt the championship so much. If you just could have finished, you know, top five in those races, you'd, you'd probably be right up there. But, um, yeah, it's been disappointing. I don't think I've had the pace that I was hoping to. Um, I think we should have won some races, um, and, and I think I'm you know, capable of doing that. But, um, yeah, for some reason it just hasn't pulled through. Mm, one one person uh, who you sort of sit pretty close with who it has turned out okay for at this point is uh, young Jay Hansen. I understand that he's in the newer generation uh, Audi, which um, which seems to be a pretty cool uh, little jigger that he's got. You're in the uh, older generation car. Now, the way that TCR balances uh, all of its things, it should mean that they're on a level a playing field but um jay is certainly making the most of that new car yeah then you know obviously uh i think a lot of people will be bringing new cars in in the next two years um for tcr if, if they're going to continue i think that you're going to need the new car um you know i think we're running about 2017 2018 spec and, and yeah i definitely think that um moving into the future that they're going to have to bring a few more cars in if if people like jay and that bring those cars in because you, you've been able to see how competitive that car is um throughout the year um so if, have you enjoyed doing the double duties again uh this year well, i guess this is the first time you've been uh, full-time supercars and uh, also dovetailing with some TCR, is it uh, something that you'd like to continue? Do you feel it, uh, you know, brings an extra element to your game? Yeah, I definitely look at continuing next year. Um, I think I think if uh, you know if if myself and MPC and and Liquid Molly hopefully wanted to continue, um, we'd look at you know continuing in a new car. Um, and yeah, I, I don't want to finish off. Um, you know, if if we don't. Uh, claw our way back and have a really solid finish to the year. I, uh, I wouldn't be happy to finish off my TCR career like that. I know I'm a lot more competitive in TCR and 
and I know I can win the championship again. So, uh, yeah, it might push me to, to do it again next year. Yeah, cool. Um, and and I, I guess it's uh, full credit to uh, Barry Ryan, who uh, team principal of Erebus, to be so open to you doing not not just TCR, but but basically anything like uh, you know keeping your bum in the seat and uh, um, yeah, going through the motions of being a race car driver. That I, I assume you'll agree that the more you do it, the uh, the better you can be. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool having a boss like Barry that uh, probably was a bit of a racer himself back in the day and understands it. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure why a lot of people and, and team owners, uh, you know, don't allow some drivers to, to do extra because, you know, the, the Supercar Championship's fantastic and it's, and it's a pinnacle of Australian motorsport, but it is only 12 or 13 rounds a year. Um, you know, a lot of other categories like NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, all those guys are just racing so much. So, um that's how me and Brody are. We just want to race as much as we can and uh, and compete and have that competitiveness as many weekends we can in the year. And uh, and Barry understands that and allows that. So um, yeah, I think it's it's great for us that we can do it. Cool, mate. Hey, thank you for coming on the Parked Up podcast. How did I go against the uh, the great man Richard Crail, who's got a much better <laughs> better voice than me? Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, rustle any feathers, so I'll say it was pretty easy. Cool, mate. All right, well, uh, you uh, you go and get on with your day. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I think the next time you jump in a race car, you'll be over in New Zealand. Actually, let me uh, talk to you about that. You haven't been to Pukekohe in a supercar before, have you ever been to Pukekohe? Yeah, I have been. They actually did ask me this question. I've been there in a in a t, in a uh, sorry a Toad eighty six in two thousand and sixteen. Right. So been to the track before. Obviously, it's a long time ago. Completely different car, but um, yeah, I, I know my way around the track. Yeah, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Cool, mate. All right, Pukekohe, and then after that, we've got some Sandown TCR action, and then this little race on that little mountain. Uh, up in central New South Wales. So, uh, mate, we'll, uh, we'll see you there, and thanks again. Cheers, thank you. And we thank Will Brown for his time on Parked Up, and uh, I tried to get him, Richard, to tell me that that was a, the better interview, but he wouldn't. He's a massive fence-sitter. So, um, He's uh, a good young man, Will Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he certainly is. Uh, okay, cool. Um, let's uh, just very quickly talk about some... Of the other racing that we had there, Richard, you were calling a lot of it a giant Super 2 crash. Uh, the biggest uh, crashes, I think, we the biggest crash that we saw over the weekend. Typically, see we, we see those giant shunts down the end of uh, Rothman, Rothman's Rise, as you as, as it was used to be called. Uh, no big crashes there. The biggest crash that we had was at the slowest part of the track. Yeah, and an unfortunate one too in that final Super 2 race. And, you know, we, <laughs> we make the joke of super two going quote full super two unquote and and that was a little bit too full on for that category so jason gomisal had an off on his own the lap prior um on the run down into turn two bounced the thing across the undergrowth and and ended up parked in the fence on the outside of three just before the the left hander that brings them back around to the start finish straight he was well and truly stranded there there was a whole amount of mud and debris on the road and when the leaders came around the next lap which was the final lap of the race they all got caught out by it the leader plowed across the dirt um a whole bunch of others plowed across the dirt and unfortunately a bunch of cars plowed into jason gomisell who was was still parked on the side of the road and and his car 
which was, I understand, the car that Scott McLaughlin raced in uh, the development series back in the day. Uh, so it's got quite a bit of providence, bit of history. Um, was very badly damaged. Jason is okay and was was checked and released from the medical centre that afternoon. But quite a substantial impact. And there were double waved yellows going on down there. It begs the question for mine why the race wasn't immediately thrown under safety car when it was clear that Jason wasn't going to be able to move his car from where it was stranded. So could the crash have been avoided? I suppose that's something Motorsport Australia race officials will have to review and and look at post-race, but it doesn't uh, turn away the fact that there are seven or eight quite badly damaged cars after that, and a damage bill in the millions for sure, especially if you take into account Gomesell's car, which which could be a, a bin job. It would be a big job to bring that back because it was hit five or six times uh, quite violently. Mm. Unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Was, well, so just to look at it, it was an unmitigated mess. That shouldn't be happening. And Motorsport Australia... I hope is investigating and is going to go through it and hopefully some action is taken because to say the least, that was not a good advertisement for the category where supposedly, you know, the future stars of supercars are being bred. Um, it was, and those are, and those races are generally, but this was particularly unruly and that was almost well an inevitable end, but yes, the way it happened, you know, does need serious questions being asked about how it happened and not just in the initial instance, but how, you know, they all just piled in there where, as you indicated, Richard, there were yellow flags waving everywhere. And, uh, well, it's the responsibility of the drivers, isn't it? You know, to know what's going on ahead of them and let, you know, it's not like it's a blind corner. Yeah, but I mean, race control could have thrown a safety car, even if it was the last lap. I think it's irrelevant that there could have been a safety car called, and and even if the car wasn't deployed, you, to get that full course yellow would have slowed everyone right down. So, and we all know racing car drivers like double waved yellows. Okay, there's something gone on ahead, but it's not like they all massively lift off the throttle anyway, which is clearly what happened. So, yeah, my, my question is, why did it not go safety car and therefore neutralise the race wherever the cars were on the circuit? And then they could have cruised around, got the chequered flag, the race would have been over anyway at the end of that lap. So, and it, and it potentially would have avoided several very badly damaged cars. That That's the question I personally like answered out of that, that whole sequence. Um, okay, so Super 2 was uh, run and won, and, and actually both races we saw the car that crossed the line first didn't win either of those races. Both of them were uh, Matt White Motorsport Nissans. They, they looked the fastest there, but the guy who sort of came out on top uh, from the whole thing, including a race win, was Declan Fraser. He just looks like he's having... A, uh, a bit of a championship year, two rounds to go, Mount Panorama uh, and uh, Adelaide. They Adelaide Street Track. You know that track, Richard. I do. do. You like, do you like that track, I Richard? I do very much. Uh, okay, cool. Um, hey, and we also had some Porsche Carrera Cup there. Richard, you got to sit up in the box and tell us uh, all about it. And it was domination for our great friends at Bob Jane T-Marts and, of course, the Sonic Motor Racing Services team, Aaron Love, uh, took two of the wins. We saw Simon Fallon have his best result, finishing second. Dylan O'Keefe also took uh, Saturday's win. 
Um, Aaron Love missed two events this year and is sitting fourth in the title, 90-odd points behind leader Harry Jones. Mm. If Aaron Love does these next two rounds, is there is there enough scope for him to peel back those points and be the champion having missed two? Well, there's 360-odd points up for grabs. So on a piece of paper, absolutely. And based on prior form, all he needs to do is just keep winning. And he's he's definitely back for Bathurst. Gold Coast was always a question mark around his Career Cup France commitments that he's got. But the weekend is clear. So he's not actually racing in Europe at that point. So he could come back and, and run it. Uh, I would have thought if he's within 180 points of the leader going after after Bathurst, then he'll definitely run it because the Gold Coast is such a crazy old place that stranger things have happened than someone throw away a 60 or 70 point championship lead. The, the biggest advantage for Harry is that the three main title contenders up to this point in the year, which have been Harry Jones... David Wall and Dylan O'Keefe all had really strange weekends. Wally didn't get it right in the wet in qualifying, so was outside the top 10. So if you do that in qualifying in Carrera Cup, it's very difficult to work your way forward. Dylan O'Keefe had a DNF in the Enduro Cup race on Sunday morning, and Harry was taken out by his teammate in the final race and had a, a DNF his first for the season. So they're all pilfering points from each other at the moment, and Aaron Love was just there getting a almost maximum score for the weekend and dragging himself into contention. So he's just pinned sharp, Grant. He's, mm. he's racing overseas. He's coming back here. Everything he's doing is at 100% right now because he's just in a car, and a cup car every weekend. So it's really impressive to watch. And, yeah, he can, he can play a role in this championship. It's great. Cool. 100% pure love, I think, is what you wanted to start breakdancing uh, yeah. to. Definitely. Um, okay, cool. Uh, now, look, talking about uh, Aaron Love, he drives the Bob Jane T-Mart's car, a great supporter of the Parked Up franchise, Richard. That's what that's what they're calling it now. Franchise now. It's a franchise. A franchise we've, we've got Plus on Monday. We've got uh, Regular on uh, on every Thursday. And uh, as, as part of that, I sat down with Rodney Jane recently, uh, who is the CEO of Bob Jane T-Marts, who uh, is the son of Bob Jane, founder of the business, uh, all-Australian uh, company. And uh, I've, I've asked a series of questions. The, the first response, the first uh, question that I asked him uh, was about the establishment of the Bob Jane team arts and uh, and how it all launched. So here he is, Rod Jane on Parked Up. So Rodney, Bob Jane team arts was founded off the back of your father's amazing, successful motor racing career. Why did he choose the tyre retail business uh, as a brand or, an, or a vehicle that could take or that did take his name from a motorsport star to a national household name? Uh, well, it's a pretty simple answer. So it was actually by mistake, he would say. Um, he would have told me the story about it a million times. So he was uh, he he had a Jaguar dealership, South Yarra Car Sales. They were selling ja Mark II Jaguars, like the one he raced and won the championships in. And apparently it came out with this bias ply tyre on it that was a terrible tyre. I think it was an Avon. Um, it used to wobble, he'd say, as you pull up to the light. So they hadn't the, laid the belts onto the casing straight. 
So at speed, the centrifugal force to keep it all lineal and straight. And as you slowed down, it would wobble up to the lights. So a lot of customers didn't like it. And just so uh, happened that one of his mates up in Sydney, they were importing Peterbilt trucks, Bob into Melbourne, his mate up into Sydney, got a telex from Fulda in Germany asking if they wanted truck tyres. His mate up in Sydney didn't want them, sent it down, posted it down to Bob. Bob gets the, the telex via the mail and he sort of looks at it and he goes, oh. So he writes back to them and says, no, I don't want truck tyres, but do you make passenger tyres? And they're, of course we do. We make tyres for Mercedes-Benz. Um, so he says, oh, well, I want to buy some tyres. And by Bob's account, you know, what happened then is he sort of, before he knew it, his spare parts division at South Yarra Car Sales was full of tyres. Um, didn't have enough space for it and then um, they rented a place on Elizabeth Street on the corner of Elizabeth and Queensbury Street um, and they put put a whole lot of tyres into there and before they knew it they were selling that many tyres they didn't know what to do with it. So that was the, the beginning of you know um, selling tyres so Bob and Bill were involved in that and that sort of gradually grew and then Bill Jane, Bob's brother, and a guy called Philip Adams came up with this idea in 1972 about franchising um, and starting Bob Jane T-Marts. And like Bob Jane T-Marts existed in iterations, Bob Jane Wholesale, Bob Jane Tyres, all sorts of things, but the Bob Jane T-Marts and the franchising concept was something that Bill and Philip Adams brought to Bob. And by Bob's own account, Bill and Philip sit him down one day and say, hey, Bob, we've got this great idea. We're going to start Bob Jane T-Marts. We're going to franchise it. We're going to roll it out nationally. And Bob says, that's a really dumb idea, guys. Why don't you call it Bill Jane T-Marts? And, you know, you guys piss off and go do that because I'm going to keep racing, do my car dealer stuff. And the long and the short of that was they're like, no, you're the guy with the name. You're the guy, you know, that's been winning the championships, you know, it, it's got to be Bob Jane T-Marts. And, and so, you know, that was the whole sort of iteration of it. It just grew out of a problem with a tyre for a Jaguar that, you know, morphed into, as Bob would say, before he knew it, they were selling that many tyres, they couldn't count the cash and they were just literally taking it to the bank to bank it because they, they it was really a discount business in the 60s. Um, and, you know, there was 14 manufacturers, none, when he started getting into tyres, none of them would deal with him. So he just went, right, I'm just going to, you know, sell at the best prices and, and, you know, the volumes were incredible. And we thank Rodney for that. Uh, that will be a regular feature over the next uh, seven or eight weeks. Rodney talking about Bob Jane T-Marts, uh, the racing programs that they've run uh, and his racing as well and the dedication that the company has had to investing in motorsport, not only here in Australia, uh, but also all around the world. Boys, you would have seen hundreds and hundreds of race cars with different levels of Bob Jane T-Mart uh, stickers and support over them. When you guys think of uh, a Bob Jane T-Mart supported race car, what's the first one that pops into your mind? Oh, the Sebring Orange, you know, Camaro from the, the early 70s. That was um, the last of the the classic Bob Jane racing entries, you know, from the mid sixties through, but that's the one that is most recognizable to me, but to that, you could add before that, you know, the Mustang, the Repco Tirana sport sedan, the Monaro improved production car, which became a sport sedan. And, uh, and most classically, I suppose in terms of looks, good looks was the McLaren M6B sports car. What a beautiful machine that was a, uh, sort of three-quarter scale, if you like, 
horsepower wise, can M sports car. For mine and with my long links with Porsche, they've had a an involvement in Carrera Cup for a long time. But funnily enough, my first Bob Jane sort of memory of their involvement in the sport was as a kid growing up watching my uh, reading my dad's old Bathurst one thousand programs and watching old Bathurst 1000s on VHS was the BMW 635 CSI that finished second in the 1985 James Hardy. Uh, Roberto Revilio is one of the drivers and I chased the Jaguars to the end there and it sort of got second when the, the Brock Commodore broke. That was my earliest memory of a car sponsored by Bob Jane T-Marts. But mm. through that more, yeah, more obviously the Porsches obviously, and they've had great support for, a bunch of young drivers in Carrera Cup I've been fortunate enough to work with and to know, like Nick Foster and Jordan Love and now Aaron as well since then, Nick McBride, Andre Heimgartner. They've all driven Bob Jane T-Mart sponsored Porsches to success in Carrera Cup. So mm. David yeah. Reynolds, of course. David Reynolds, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've uh, they've certainly uh, helped established and uh, young drivers through uh, through their racing career. I was uh, I was tasked a, a couple of years ago to do some find get some photos and information on uh, a lot of the cars that Bob Jane Tmarts has supported over the years, and uh, it was tiny. But on the nineteen eighty six Chickadee Commodore that Alan Grice and Graham Bailey won the great race in in, uh, in that year, in 86. There's a very tiny Bob Jane T-Mart sticker on the on the front or on the side sill or something. So um, they've been everywhere. They've been everywhere, including the title sponsor of the great race, which is one of the uh, little chats that I have with uh, Rodney Jane as well at what was a critical time in their business. You can hear all of that on Parked Up. Uh, a little later on, of course, Parked Up Plus, every monday the girls on the grid are on every monday too and those two crazy larrikins gary o'brien and darren smith with the napa auto parts grassroots racing podcast richard have you had a chance to listen to two of your old pals uh gibbering away with some some good old grass grassroots races i have and i've got the uh marcus zakanovic one queued up and ready to listen to for a bit of touring car masters action grant because uh TCM is one of my uh, favourite categories and has been for a long time. So I'm quite looking forward to listening to that. Cool. Fogs, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Parked Up Regular. Always a pleasure and look forward to be back, being back again one day. And Richard, good to have you on the show. And I likewise listen to On The Grid and, of course, every race meeting, I hear you everywhere. And then I see you in the media centre. So you are ubiquitous to say the least in, in 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 a very nice way of course that is high praise folks i very much appreciate it and it's been, and it's been fun guys Look thank forward you to the next one thank you you realize i'm going to bleep out all of the on the grid references as well richard if that's <laughs> that, no good uh you can listen to it at uh, the race <laughs> all right no more free plugs thanks lads see ya you've just listened to another network car production 